0: C. H. Spurgeon loved it so much mm. that he asked to have at least one verse on his tombstone. Really? He wanted, Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wind supply, Redeeming Love has been my theme and shall be till I die. I don't know if it is actually on Ooh. his tombstone if, or not. Where is he buried?
1: if you've been to spurgeon's grave which sounds this this episode keeps getting darker if you've hung out at the gravesite of charles spurgeon let us know if this verse Um, is on there because i'm really curious now Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Moné Funga and
0: I'm Cara Devereaux and in today's episode we're going to be talking about a William Cooper classic that I can't believe we haven't talked about before. Mm. Um, there is a fountain filled with blood. There's a lot of blood in this episode <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also a lot of hope and we can't wait to dig into this encouraging hymn with you.
1: But first, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so that you don't miss a single episode. You can also listen to us anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um, And if you want to leave a five star review, we would absolutely love you forever. But the best way to stay up to date with all the latest Partial news is to go to impartial.com and subscribe to our totally free, totally awesome weekly newsletter. It's full of fun, bonus content that you cannot find anywhere else.
0: Yep. And today we're back on William Cooper. So, um, yeah, we've talked about him in previous episodes. It's well worth watching the interview we did with Reagan King. If you haven't watched that yet, I'll put a link in for you. Um, That was a really great episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But because we've already talked about him, I'm only going to give like a brief summary of his life um, for those who haven't seen our other episode. So... He was born in Great Berkhamsted in Hertfordshire in England on November 15th, 1731. And as Reagan mentioned in the interview, Cooper's mother died when he was six years old and mm. he never really came to terms with it. There were other difficulties and disappointments in his life as well. Um, and basically his whole life was just one of mental and emotional pain. Mm. Um, but he was also an excellent poet and a hymn writer. And his hymns, surprising for the life he led, are often very full of hope.
1: Yeah, very, very much so.
0: So even secular poets recognize him as a great poet of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess he was like the original tortured artist before Hemingway (laughs) made it trendy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: And among his contemporaries and admirers were people like Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who will have an influence in an upcoming episode on the Church's One Foundation mm-hmm. and William Wordsworth, the Daffodils guy?
1: Wordsworth.
0: Interestingly, Martin Luther Junior, Martin Luther King Junior, um, he actually quoted regularly from Cooper's abolitionist poem, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. That he has that influence in secular culture as well as um, religious. It yeah. makes sense. Wasn't he
1: involved? S- somehow in the abolition of slavery in Britain. Yes,
0: Yes. because he was friends with John Newton, who we all know as the abolitionist guy, but Cooper also wrote some really powerful uh, poetry and things. Um, You wouldn't think poetry and abolitionism went together, but you'd be surprised, uh, the influence that he had through his writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly used to think that Cooper was a lot better known, more widely known than he is. But it seems that, like in some circles, he's the guy, and then in other circles, it's just like William who? Yeah, it's like hmm. Cow Cow <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know honestly, I wouldn't have known who he was until I started noticing that he was the name that kept popping up at the bottom of a lot of my favorite hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, so Moni, when you first come across him. I can't say
1: for certain, but it definitely was in the last, like maybe six years. Um, my husband's a big Cooper fan. Um, and just a preview, we will be talking a little bit more about him next week Cooper in our next week's episode. Not yeah. not my husband.
0: husband. <laughs> maybe, I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, but he, he, I should say he really likes John Newton and read a lot of his works and, um, The two were close, so he he started to look into that. He also hit me to a lot of the hymns that are written. Again, a lot of the hymns that were starting to pop up at church and starting to Mm -hmm. pop up on CDs that we like listening to. Oh, sorry. CDs is so dated. On albums, (laughs) digital albums that we listen to, it was Cooper behind the lyrics. And so... um, yeah, last six years probably okay. somewhere in there.
0: To be fair, it was your husband that told me that it's not Cowper; it's Cooper. Yeah,
1: I would have definitely said Cowper. But
0: I I have this principle where if someone mispronounces something, don't like be mean to them because they probably <laughs> learned it by reading, and reading is good, kids. Reading
1: is good. That's right. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. Cooper is such a fascinating guy that I think mm. he kind of needs his own episode to talk about just his whole life like there's so much to him um but he was basically just a highly respected secular poet and a highly respected hymnist in his day his entire life was plagued with depression Mm -hmm. fear uh, a big lack of assurance Mm -hmm. he often struggled to believe that he could possibly be saved yeah and the thing that might be surprising is that despite his lifelong depression and multiple attempts at suicide, Cooper actually died of natural causes. Yeah. He died at quite an old age. He died of dropsy, which is now called edema. It's kind of like I a, know what
1: neither of those an are. organ
0: failure that Ooh. causes swelling and oh, goodness. fluid and stuff. Not yeah. nice,
1: but... Why do they call it dropsy? That sounds oh, like a mistake. I read about
0: this. No, it's from the Greek um i can't remember the exact greek word but the two middle syllables you can shorten to dropsy. c uh, interesting it's, it's like hydropsy some something. something yeah <laughs> the hydro being water oh yeah so it, there is a reason it's called dropsy it
1: does yeah. it does sound like something like if you knock something over you're like oh
0: dropsy <laughs> <laughs> i know but it's, <laughs> it's like we call influenza the flu yeah is that kind of like
1: yeah it's a shortening i get it it's just a silly shortening
0: (laughs) it's funny it sounds like a fainting disease yeah (laughs) anyway so that's cooper so considering that he struggled with assurance his whole life is it weird that he wrote this hymn which is really an expression of assurance Mm. no it's not um it was written around the middle of his life in 1770, and the hymn was in a, originally in Olney hymns. Oh. Stay tuned. We're going to be doing an Stay episode on tuned. that. <laughs> um, I'll not steal your thunder, but <laughs> it was a compilation of hymns written by himself and his close friend, John Newton, while they were both living at Olney. Funny thing. Um, it was published under the title, Peace for a Fountain Opened. Mm. And it was Cooper's hope that other troubled souls would also be helped by this hymn. And there's no particularly interesting story around the writing of the lyrics. Mm. Um, though it has had mixed reception through the years, despite it being classic. Ex-
1: despite it being excellent. Oh,
0: it's absolutely excellent. <laughs> I'm just
1: going to put my cards on the table at the beginning. I, I love, love this, this song. Tinks, <laughs> 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 you owe me a coke.
0: Um. <laughs> Anyway, you only have to read the first line to see where the discomfort with this hymn comes from. Um, Monet, could you read us just that first verse? Actually, oh. you know what? Just read the whole hymn. The whole okay. hymn's great. Read the whole thing.
1: All righty. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day And there have I, as vile as he, washed all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power, till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save.
0: See why we like it so much.
1: I was getting choked up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I absolutely love that last
1: verse. Yeah, anyway, so good.
0: love the whole thing. Yeah. But interestingly, um, we asked a few weeks ago, in good fun, if our <laughs> listeners could like totally scrap one hymn, like write it right out of history, which one would it be? We had some quite funny answers. Yeah. But interestingly, one of our listeners said, this hymn. Yeah. And the reason the person gave was these first couple of lines. The
1: goriness.
0: The goriness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your initial feelings on reading that? You know,
1: it's so funny. I think I, I might have... Repl- rem- the listener who said this, I don't remember if I replied to you, but I thought this reply. The thought was, maybe I'm so steeped in reformed, like Calvinistic theology that when I hear, when I, when I hear these words, I just think about God's gracious supply of salvation. Mm. I know that's what it's imagery of, but I don't think of literal red blood. I think of like a fountain filled with our savior's, um, um, uh, redemption like his portion that, that was really supposed to be mm. us but it's him and it's righteous and it's good and it never ends it doesn't run out like that's what I'm thinking of but that's totally not what it says I've just like put on my my glasses and I'm like ooh, and I see kind of what I want to see but I have never thought of this as gory as it is And it literally is quite...
0: It's gross. It's gross,
1: (laughs) right? And then somebody was like... I think someone was saying... We might have talked about it on the show. Like yeah like drawn from his veins like it's like you're getting a yeah, needle that was out me. i had a yeah. traumatic
0: experience as a kid and so they kind of like the whole hypodermic needle thing i'm fine i can sit still and yeah. get needles in me yeah. but it's also just kind of like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so when i first heard this hymn i hadn't been in a reformed church for long and mm. i was just like ew why are we singing this it's so yeah. medical and so disgusting yeah. yeah yeah um it is a graphic image it really is. It, look, I am in
1: no way saying that you should totally love the imagery because it's bloody.
0: I have an argument why you should. Okay. No, I just, go on with your thought. I'm no, just- no,
1: I, I, I just think that it's, it's powerfully visual to me.
0: Yes. And that's the point. It's poetic. It's not literal. Mm-hmm. It's meant to make you feel something. You're mm-hmm. meant to sing this and you're meant to think about it and you're meant to go, oh, wow, okay. Um, the truth is that the atonement is not particularly pleasant Subject yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways. But if you look at scripture, blood atonement is actually a really common theme. Mm. And this is explained to us in Hebrews. And Monet, I was wondering if you could read for us Hebrews 9.22 to give us some context.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um so Hebrews 9:22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Yep.
0: Yeah. So this is something that struck me last time I read Leviticus. Mm. I was like wading through it and I was like, oh my goodness, there's just so much blood. <laughs> um, and then I read Matthew immediately afterwards. And I was like, there's just blood and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. And then along comes Christ and it's it. He dies once. It's done. It's finished. That's it. Maybe that's why.
1: Sorry to cut you off. You, ha- you were like mid-thought there. Um Maybe that's why I don't see it as gory as it is because everyone, and I know I'm in a category all by myself. Everyone goes, oh, Leviticus, right? Because it's like, la, I la, really like la. I like I love Leviticus. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the easiest Old Testament books for me to read because it's just it appeals to my brain that just wants to know, okay, what do I do? And obviously a lot of religion is based on like, do this, do that. Don't do this do do that. But I think I like it this side of grace because it shows like the inner, it shows some of the character of God, like Mm -hmm. how he thinks of things logistically. And yes, there's a lot of blood atonement, but to me, I just see it as like, this is the price for this sin. This is the yeah. price for that sin. This is the price for that sin. It feels very matter of fact to me. So when I read the lyrics to this song, I'm like, wow, that's beautiful because yes, there was blood atonement for our sins. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, you know, <laughs> Emmanuel's yeah.
0: <veins>. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Yeah. Although I like Leviticus for the Easter eggs. Like almost literal easter eggs <laughs> last time i read it i realized there's this one really obscure passage where uh these two guys come to moses i think it's moses yeah it's moses and they're like oh this guy we know just died we got to bury him but it's almost passover mm-hmm. and if we touch a body we're going to be unclean what we're we going to do mm-hmm. and moses goes to god and he's like hmm? <laughs> and god comes back and he says passover is the one exception you can bury that body and still be clean for Passover. And I was just like, huh, that's so random. And then I realized, yes, name's making a face. <laughs> I realized that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and the women who buried Jesus honored mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. by doing that, even though in any other circumstances, it would have made them unclean. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was like that one little get out of jail free <laughs> card was put into the Old Testament thousands mm-hmm. of years previously yeah. so for, that they could yeah. honor Jesus and then God was like, yes, you're still clean to celebrate Passover. Yeah. And that just made me so happy. <laughs> um, but that's a little tangent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get on him partial. Sometimes you like lyrics. Sometimes it's Easter eggs. <laughs> Who knows?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So the Bible verse that this first, this, this hymn's kind of taken from is um, Zechariah 13.1. Would you mind?
1: Yeah, no problem. On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness.
0: Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of where the fountain comes yeah. from. Yeah. Um when you think about it, actually this image could be a lot worse. Yeah. Because yes, there's this fountain and it's full of blood. But let's be honest, it should be the blood of God's enemies,
1: <laughs>
0: which is us, by the way. Yes. <laughs> but it's not. It's the blood of his own son that serves yeah. to wash that enemy. That's us. Mm-hmm. Um, and wash away all our guilt. And it's so mind blowing. And from a worldly perspective, it's so upside down.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Um, and it is a horrific image. But it's supposed to be like this blood is the only thing that can save you from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, it should fill us with thanksgiving that he's done this so mm-hmm. that we don't have to face his wrath. Mm-hmm. Like that's a high price. Yeah.
1: So I, I, I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It is upside down. The world, you said it should be filled with the blood of his enemies and to every other religion. That's is. what it would yeah. be filled with. Except, you know, we think we have this obviously in literature and film and television. We, You mm-hmm. know, we kind of have these kind of like uh, Christ-like figures or these sacrificial kind of martyrs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And all that language is obviously coming from Christianity. Yeah. But we don't even know s- socially why we admire those characters. Mm-hmm. We don't even know. It's like so deep down in us that we realize like this is so counter to what we would do. And if we were like Monet's religion one on one, yes, it would be filled. With not my son's blood, not me, not, not mine. I'm not yeah. going to die for the things you did for me. Yeah. It's, somebody else is going to pay for that.
0: But we see this trend in movies. There's a mm. lot of vengeance and revenge movies out mm. there at the moment. That's true. And it's like, you've wronged me. The streets mm-hmm. are going to flow with your blood. Mm-hmm. And like, God is justified in yeah. doing that, mm-hmm. but he hasn't. Yep. He's sent his own son. Anyway, yeah, it's just... Oh. It blows my mind and it makes me so thankful. Mm -hmm. So I get where people are coming from when they're like, oh, it's gory, but it's also
1: beautiful. It is absolutely. No, I totally get what you're saying. I'm trying to articulate it, but I'm bad with words despite being (laughs) on a podcast. (laughs) But I really do understand. It's not just my bias that I love this song. I really do understand like that this is a beautiful image because all by itself, there's a fountain fell blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Like all the images there is Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The fact that he bled for us, he was completely innocent. The fact that we are like, I think of baptism plunged beneath Mm -hmm. that flood. Like this is a symbolism of what Christ has done for us in terms of our guilt. And, the next verse and the next verse and the next verse, they just add on to that beauty that yes, we're vile, we're terrible. Like, you know, this is our hope is that fountain. Mm. Our hope is that fountain. It's our
0: only hope. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, sorry. (laughs) I I get that people look at it and they go, Oh, but when you actually really like think about what it is and what it means, it's just such a picture of grace and mercy Mm. and, there were attempts to change the first line to from Calvary's cross a Fountain Flows. But that never stuck. And I think there is a time in which to be kind of gentle with our language mm. um, and subtle with our language. And then there's a time where we shouldn't pull punches. Mm. And I think that cooper knew that difference and Mm -hmm. i think he got it right here Mm -hmm. and i don't think he was trying to be sensational and Mm -mm. i don't think he was trying to be disgusting Mm -hmm. i think he was just kind of like this is the gospel and i'm not gonna like make it out to be softer than it is. There, there is, there is like a weird,
1: I mean, some of it is heretical, <laughs> but there is a weird push to like soften a lot of old hymns, like to Almost make them like more palatable. Them. Yeah. But you know what? Like I think of, I, I, because I love film and television, big surprise. I think about all the movies and the films that have really moved me and they have not shied away from the grit and grime of life. I mean, even think about like one of our favorite series like love love we've only watched it once because we could only get through it once because it was like my face was full of tears is band of brothers now i waited nearly 20 years to watch this series because i was like no i can't i'm just gonna i'm not gonna be able to take it Mm. band of brothers is so fantastic i mean this is not sanitized yes it is a hollywood television show so we're not saying that like everything's 100 percent historically accurate but it is not fluffy. Yeah. Um. And what you see is a, a Hollywood depiction of what really was there. Yeah. It's the equipment. Like this poem is poetic of like, of like what really happened to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what we, we wouldn't want to see that described because yeah. it'd be way worse. Yeah. But it's so moving because it dwells in reality like the story that it's representing is real and this poem is so beautiful this hymn is so beautiful because it's real yes you know
0: um so, uh, i like to write specifically novels <laughs> but this is a conversation i frequently have especially with young christian writers who are like oh i i don't want i don't, don't want to put like too much violence or or stuff like that in my books but i also don't want them to be like saccharine mm. sweet mm-hmm. sort of things and there's this conversation around like you shouldn't diminish the horribleness of reality mm-hmm. um it's perfectly okay to just be like this is dreadful mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there's the hope element too, mm-hmm. but, um, you shouldn't go either way. You shouldn't, yeah, there should be you a balance. shouldn't make it too
1: sugary sweet and you shouldn't turn it up either. Yeah, right.
0: There's, yeah. Don't make it gratuitous.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, anyway, we've just spent a ton of time on the first <laughs> line, but there's like five verses. <laughs>
1: Hey, sometimes you got to dig in where you can. Yeah, I, I
0: just thought it was a point worth making because yeah. it just makes me love the gospel more. Absolutely. Um, and also I thought it would be good to just kind of talk a bit around why Cooper used such strong language. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I love the second verse too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, folk have tried to soften things. And my favorite attempt is instead of saying, there may I, though vile as he... They tried, there may sinners, vile as he, wash all their guilt away.
1: I guess. Why do you think that change is just changing it?
0: I might be overthinking this, but personally, I think that distances me from it. Uh. Like Cooper knew what he was doing when he said I. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was someone with a profound, but kind of often warped sense of his own guilt and worthlessness Mm -hmm. so he knows he's no better than a sinner on the cross Mm -hmm. but I feel like to say they're my sinners, vile as he kind of gives me a loophole and Mm -hmm. I know my own sinful nature Mm -hmm. and if you say sinners as vile as he I'm like oh yes sinners like
1: those other people like
0: I'm not as vile as he but sinners are other people yeah um and I think human nature is prone to do that yeah
1: i mean that's one of the lines that makes me break down and there yes. have i to sing that out because the tune that we sing this to now like it's like and there have I, though I it's like you know it really yeah it crescendos and it really makes you go oh i'm really belting out how much i don't deserve this redemption at all it really gets me i will cry
0: <laughs> yeah it's true like yeah. I think if we sang "There are sinners, style as he," I would be able to justify to myself. Oh, I'm not one of those.
1: Yeah, I'm fine. A I mean, good example of personal pronouns in a song, mm-hmm. right? Because it's yeah. not just like, "Oh, I love you, Lord." Oh, Lord, I I'm can't wait do to see you. For you. I will yeah. follow you everywhere you go. Not hating on those lyrics specifically, but it is kind of like okay that's wishful thinking yeah versus
0: this is realism (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) we Um, know this to be true right now
0: (laughs) I don't know maybe I'm overthinking it but I'm kind of like I know my own nature and my own nature would be like well that guy was so bad he got executed and I've never had a parking ticket so (laughs) this doesn't apply to
1: me (laughs) (laughs) you also don't drive though
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's a great way to not get parking tickets (laughs) yeah um yeah, I don't know. Maybe we are overthinking it. No, I don't think I so. I just, yeah, I know my own sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Um. Then verse three is a wonderful verse, one that I often remind myself of if I'm ever tempted to doubt mm-hmm. or if I'm feeling overwhelmed and frustrated with my sin. I'm coming from a man who struggled with assurance his whole life. Like he died being like, I just don't know if I'm mm-hmm. going to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um. It's so encouraging that he wrote this. Like, Christ's blood never loses its effectiveness. Yeah. Um, It never stops saving us. Um, Yes. Okay. So we ought to fight to kill sin in our lives. Mm -hmm. We should not love sin. We shouldn't indulge in sin. Just making that clear. But you've got to remember as well that when you're tempted to despair and you're struggling like, how can I not give up this one stupid sin that's got hold of me? You've got to remember that we can't sin ourselves out of salvation. Correct. Uh, thank you. Because I was like, is this, <laughs> is this an heresy? If we could, we, we would. would. <laughs> I know I would. Mm. Anyway, one day salvation is going to be absolutely complete and we won't sin anymore. Mm-hmm. But Christ's blood is always effective. And mm. if you think you're more powerful than Christ's blood, then you need to repent. Mm-hmm. And then in verse four, I love that it shows the change that happens when people come to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by faith that we see what Christ has done for us yeah. and repent and believe. But then we go on to keep his word and obey him. And we go on to proclaim what he's done for us our whole lives. And I saw a comment recently from an atheist friend of mine about how I was kind of like, oh, why do atheists always pick on Christians? Mm-hmm. And she was just like, oh, well, we're opposed to Christians specifically because they're the ones that are so obnoxious about shoving their religion <laughs> down other people's throats. <laughs> uh... And I was like, OK, so that's not the most gracious way to put it, but we probably are the most proactive about sharing yeah. our faith.
1: Yeah, we um, should be.
0: <laughs> well here's the thing we have the cure for death and we yeah. have the way for people to live forever yeah. like who shoves that in a box and puts it under their yeah. bed someone like, who hates you i know like if you love people wouldn't you be like hey you want to live forever mm-hmm. like never die yeah like come on it's a no-brainer
1: i was gonna say and you could tell me to shut up if you were literally just about to say this but actually death is in every verse of this song So there is an end game view to Cooper's hymn. It's, you know, like, um, the first one is obviously about Christ's death. The second one is about the thief's death. The third one is about the church's death, kind of like, you know, being saved to sin no more. That's once, once all the ransom church of God is saved to sin no more. That's the last day we're done being alive on this side of, of Christ's return. And then, um redeeming love shall be my theme until i die and then as i am dying i will I'm still, still singing yeah, i'm it. still singing and when i'm dead i'm yes, going to sing it for yeah. eternity yeah <laughs> so it is very maybe that adds to the gruesomeness and i maybe why people might be a bit turned off by it because it is very much like it kind of it kind of um what's the word it shrinks your life down yeah to kind of the absolute points like mm. you're alive now but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to be an end and that end for christians is a new beginning of, yeah. of which we could sing joyfully about in this song i think
0: i did not notice that so okay, thank you <laughs> so much for bringing that in
1: <laughs> i just noticed it right now so yeah. as many times as i sing this song i just noticed it
0: yeah but, you know, as a Christian, redeeming love should be your theme mm-hmm. every day of your life until mm-hmm. the day you die. Mm-hmm. And then when you die, you're going to go to glory and you're going to sing redeeming love glory. anyway. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so the last verse always really gets me. It's not the last verse second last verse when this mm-hmm. lisping stammering tongue last that is last verse mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with me today um, it really gets me because I'm actually naturally one of the shyest people you will ever meet <laughs> <laughs> um and lisping and stammering doesn't even cut it uh the first time I did door knocking, it took me three attempts to get it right, which church we were from.
1: Oh, was that's just so nervousness. Bad. That's all. Yeah, but
0: talking about lisping, stammering, gosh, yeah. bless the lady. She was so patient and mm-hmm. bless my pastor for being like, you've got to talk.
1: <laughs> You're like, bless him. Even though I was, I was
0: dying inside the whole time. <laughs> anyway, um. Yeah, Cooper was such an anxious cinnamon roll that he actually was terrified of taking his oral exam. So he studied as a law student and they were like, you've got to do like a spoken exam. And at that point he had his mental breakdown and tried to commit suicide. Oh. Like He was legit scared. Yeah. But apparently he had like a proper stammer. Mm-hmm. Um, So he was just like, I cannot cope with this um but I think it's beautiful though yeah I think we all know that struggle though like all of us at some point find ourselves unable to articulate whether we're just kind of nervous about sharing the gospel with people or whether it's kind of in private prayer you know personal devotions where you're trying to pray and you're just like oh god I um don't really know like what to say (laughs) um yeah but I, yeah. I think this first reminds us that it it that's fine. It's okay, and
1: I think it also takes the emphasis off of what the world thinks is, yeah
0: we don't have to be eloquent.
1: no and as as brilliant of a poet as Cooper was, and he was. yep. that was not what qualified him, yeah, to be one of christ's own
0: because here's the thing we don't remember for him for his poetry i love his poetry about the cat yeah. that gets stuck in a drawer but like you guys don't know that poem you don't know the like probably unless you're cooper <laughs> nerds you <laughs> probably have never read any of his secular poetry but yeah. you sing his hymns mm-hmm. and there's a reason why it's the hymns that survived
1: mm, yes
0: um yeah <laughs> but i love this verse because it reminds us that it ends in glory it does
1: in a nobler, sweeter song.
0: Yes. And I love that in glory, there will be no fear and no hesitation mm-hmm. and no stumbling over words mm-hmm. and no saying things wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, And we'll be singing Christ's power to save mm-hmm. and we'll sing it beautifully. <laughs> there will be no one out of tune. That's right. <laughs> um, And then just quickly, um, a word on the tune. It was written by Lowell Mason. And if you recognize his name, it's because it keeps popping up. Um, and I would like to do an episode on him because he's written a ridiculous number of hymn tunes Mm. but it's really hard to find his biography so if any of you guys have it oh yeah please (laughs) please I'll give you my address um (laughs) I don't know if
1: we should say that on the internet
0: (laughs) (laughs) he wrote he wrote a tune Lowell Mason wrote a tune called Cleansing Fountain for this hymn Mm. he wrote it a little after Cooper died Mm. and you can sing this hymn to a bunch of different tunes because it's common measure Mm -hmm. so it fits Amazing Grace as well Mm -hmm. And I've known people who refuse to sing it to Cleansing Fountain, which is the one we sing. Really? Yes. That was a weird thing. I thought that was probably more modern, but apparently not. Um, so in Cleansing Fountain, you repeat the last line several times and mm-hmm. it's like a really upbeat tune. And a lot of people won't sing it because they think it's modern and they're kind of like, it's too, <laughs> it's not serious enough for such a serious subject matter. Prejudice. And it's too repetitive. It's practically a chorus. Um <laughs> If hatred. you're one of those people, fine, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Find yourself a tune that works for you, yeah. but I like it.
1: But just <laughs> sing this song is the point. <laughs> yeah, sing the
0: song, come on. So
1: whatever common meter tune you find.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and then another thing, fun thing about this tune is that C.H. Spurgeon loved it so much mm. that he asked to have at least one verse on his tombstone. Really, he wanted ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wind supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. I don't know if it is actually on Ooh, his tombstone if, or not. Where is he buried? In London. If
1: you've been to Spurgeon's grave, which sounds this this episode keeps getting darker. If you've hung out at the gravesite of Charles Spurgeon, let us know if this verse um, is on there because I'm really curious now.
0: There is one individual who I'm sure he knows who he is, who's a Spurgeon nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're listening, um, could you just let us know, like, is it on his grave? (laughs) That's Um, lovely. Maybe I want to steal that. There's a few things I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Anyway, on that note, there's not really anything more to say. There's lots more to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not going to say much more. Um, except that we hope that redeeming love will be your theme as well until the day you die and then glory glory well, thank
1: you, Kara. I'm I'm really, really happy that we did this song Because we were actually talking about this recently That we can't believe we haven't done this song mm-hmm. Because it's both of our faves um, One of our faves for both of us I don't know what English is um, And I hope you've been encouraged by this mm-hmm. If you're one of those people that were like Ew, I don't really like this song We totally respect that view You're wrong But we respect you We hope you that and, we've changed yes, your mind We hope that we've like,
0: convinced you to love it a little tiny bit We're not denying it's graphic but we're seeing <laughs> it's beautiful in its own way it is <laughs> it is
1: really beautiful um so take a listen again if you're a newsletter subscriber you already have a few versions probably in your inbox when you receive the notification for this episode and if you haven't signed up to our newsletter yet what are you waiting for you you're are missing, missing out, out. We have so many really cool links and bonus features of stuff that we're talking about in the episode, stuff that we think about after we've recorded the episode, just all of it's packed into there. Plus, we really love to hear from you guys and... Our newsletter subscribers can send us questions, which we haven't gotten to a few questions in a while, so we probably have a backlog Um, we might get to on the next few episodes. Please go to impartial.com, sign up for our newsletter today. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.